Increasingly ferocious storms and severe droughts are among the effects of climate change. In Egypt, the alliance of small island states is trying to convince big polluters and the richest countries to cough up the billions of dollars they've already promised and to commit trillions as the onslaught worsens. In the Caribbean, a hurricane can wipe out a third of a country's GDP overnight. I asked the alliance's lead negotiator, Ambassador Conrad Hunt from Antigua and Barbuda, whether it's worth going back for more talks if there's no meaningful progress this year. To be honest, we're... We haven't seen a lot of progress because with a new agenda item, of course, uh, the parties would then have to start a discussion around framing for things such as timelines, design, and the likes. So I think each party is now putting forward what they view as being essential for a loss and damage agenda item at this COP27. So there's no assurances of anything else? No, I wouldn't say there are assurances as yet. One thing is sure is that we have an item and two all parties have agreed to look at gaps that exist in the current architecture. There are some issues that are being floated, such as the external issues, such as Global Shield, V20 and others the issue of the Glasgow Dialogue. But in terms of a concrete framework of what will result at the end, all that is still being negotiated. What's the attitude from developed nations been like this week? Well, it hasn't changed in my view a lot, but for some, there is definitely a push to have something. For others... There's a push to have something where maybe outside of the UNFCCC process, and there's some that perhaps may entertain something within the UNFCCC process. As you know, for us as Alliance of Small Island States, we would like to see a mechanism under the financial mechanism of the UNFCCC. Others are viewing this as something that could exist serve the same purpose and be outside of the UNFCCC process. So that too is a debate that will continue until the next few days. Have any nations walked out of these talks? Not that I'm aware of, actually. Not that I'm aware of. It's still ongoing because uh and you must look at it this way the issue of the agenda item is closely linked to the item on the santiago network which is also being discussed on the finance so we have a situation where i mean there's discussion on modalities for funding the santiago network in terms of its institutional makeup and hosts and and the likes, but also at the same time, there's a discussion on the agenda item to address loss and damage, which is completely separate to that. If there's no meaningful progress on loss and damage, though, or a finance structure in place from these talks, is it worth coming back? When you say worth coming back, uh, (laughs) what do you mean? Us coming back to another cop or? Was it? Yes, yes. Well, for some extremists, I guess they would say uh, after 30 years and at least you got an agenda item with nothing 
to hold up, stand on, maybe it would not be worth it. But I think it's always good to keep fighting, pressing on, because it is something that over time you will have to, I think the developing, the developed countries have to realize after a while they will have to give. But in essence, if you don't come back, I mean, I'm not sure if it would have any impact either. We've heard from Caribbean leaders that this is a continuation of hundreds of years of racism and exploitation. What do they mean by that? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure which uh, which are the ones who said that, but I think it's, it's when it comes to that type of statement, I, I believe it has to do more with the fact when we speak of the, the, polluter, the polluters should pay, this has has a historic. Uh, I hope should I put it, a historic uh, uh, thing from in terms of global emissions, and we know who are the global emitters from back from colonial times, and and maybe that's the only connection I could draw on. But I I wouldn't call it racism in in that sense. What other commitments are wanted by the Alliance of Small Island States beyond looking into this issue? Well, we would certainly want to see a scale-up on mitigation ambition, a more robust ambition, a robust work program for COP27. I think that's important for us in order to keep the... 1.5 1.5 target alive. So that would be a, certainly a very important thing for us. Of course, there are other things such as finance, which we would want to see happen, but I'm sure that is also in the cards of all developing countries. The $100 billion that was pledged, we would certainly want to see that uh, upheld and also the possibility of a successor for 2025 of the 100 billion. Can you put this in context for us and explain why should developed countries be paying for this? If you understood the UNFCCC process and the convention, it has a obligation which is based on the common but differential responsibilities where the developed countries are asked to assist developing countries in fighting the impact of climate change. That's what the in, the original aim of the convention was. Of course, when when this is cited in the convention, it speaks to the issue of in a cooperative and a facilitative manner. Of course, it's not a case where countries are being assessed, but it's something that they're expected to do based on their historic uh, pollution, also based on their historic wealth. So it's only natural that under the convention, they're expected to do this. But of course, it's not like written like some a code that the countries are assessed, but it's the type of expectation that we see enshrined in the convention. And what's happening in Caribbean nations? Well, Caribbean nations are pretty much looking to see an outcome that speaks to the agenda item. Uh, We are 
fully behind the G77. We are fully behind the Alliance of Small Island States, ensuring that we have a, a good outcome at this COP. And when a hurricane are, strikes in a Caribbean nation, what does it cost and how, how do the nations pay for that? Well, to be honest, we are always paying. Each year, do you realize we are paying for hurricanes that have occurred like two years ago up to this day? We are still paying back for the 2017 hurricane storm. And each year, we still have to prepare for a hurricane, even if it doesn't come. So looking at, at the situation for us, it's an a recurring issue, and that's why the issue of a loss and damage fund is important to us, because monies that could have been used for social issues, education, health, are being diverted to deal with climate impacts. A lot of countries are feeling that they've reached their limit on this one. What about at these, at these negotiations? There are fossil fuel delegates. Have you encountered them, and what role do they play? Well, I have not encountered any, but it's it's been clear at the high level plenary that a number of leaders spoke of the issue of it is time that these profligate fossil fuel companies should start paying at least on this some of the profits that they're making, which is in the trillions. So there was a number of call for perhaps setting up some sort of mechanism to ensure that we're not ensure, but requests that the oil and gas producers and fossil fuel producers to actually at least pay a portion of their profits to fight climate change. And what's the risk of debt, debt defaults for developing nations? Could you repeat that? What's the risk of debt defaults for developing nations? Well, if, if defaults to developing nations, uh, well, th that that's that's a possibility. There are some developing nations who are indeed making profits from fossil fuel, but of course, that's that's something we'll all have to negotiate in terms of who are the ones that will be actually paying into this. But these are just suggestions that are being floated. I mean, and I'm sure here and you have a situation again where even if there are developing countries involved, there's the issue of common but differentiated responsibility under the convention. So while there may be some large developing countries who have fossil or who are major fossil fuel producers, there may be some differential treatment that could be accrued to them. We've had US climate envoy John Kerry's plan uh, for companies to buy carbon credits to fund the greening of power grids in developing countries. What do you think of that? Well, that's just another way of looking at it, but that's certainly not a panacea for taking on the issue which we are here to actually discuss, which is to address loss and damage after a hurricane has struck. I mean, that's just another way of looking at it. But any additional solutions or mechanism to help in addressing this is certainly helpful. But I, I don't think that alone would help the situation. Neither would a loss and damage fund. 
a lot of people are of the view that a loss on damage fund is going to be a panacea for this, but it's not. It's just one in the many things we will have to do to ensure that we can address the issue of climate impacts. Do you still have hope? I still do, to be honest. I still have hope that we can arrive at something that would, in essence, help small island developing states and developing countries on a whole going forward. 